welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And we are back to talk about the next three episodes of Willow, specifically episodes four, five, and six. And y'all, these episodes, this is some good stuff. This is some tropey TV. This is some, like, listen, I see how dirty Star Wars did you. Like, let me make you feel better. What's crazy is that this is a John Kasdan show. I am Like, I, I understand that there's tons of women directing and writing on the show, too. But it is his name on this show. Yeah. It's baffling. It's very baffling. He, he, he had some interesting tidbits, remember, about... Solo, he did like fit or fifty or a hundred things about Solo. Yes, I remember he had some very weird things. Some of those were weird, and I did not agree with them. So I'm glad to see that he he must be really good at collaborating. I think that's gotta be what it is. And I remember like we kind of had those same reservations about like John Favreau. And so, like, I, I kind of feel like it's the same kind of vein. Like, maybe he's just, like, really good at collaborating. Like, it seems like he's brought some really good directors and some really yeah. good writers to the table. Because I, I do feel strongly that John Favreau is also someone who knows how to manage people and get, like, something good out of other people rather than when he's creating. Like, I don't think he's the best creator, but he's really good at inspiring people around him. Yes. And maybe John Kasson is similar. Which also still seems so weird because he's such a weird guy. <laughs> um, but this show is just so good. Like, I remember watching the first three episodes, and I really liked it, but I there was still something, like, it was so good, but there's, like, weird quirks in the show like, with how they explain things or, like, exposition or whatever. And then, like, There's I don't a know lot what... of exposition. There is. But, like, I don't know what happened. Like, the second we hit, like, episode four and, like, we just really started getting into, like, the emotional core of these characters, I was like, this is my... This is what I want. I'm into this. This is what I am here for. Two more episodes. That's... Yeah. See, like... We have to be getting another season. Yeah. This isn't... I don't think they've advertised it as, like, a limited series. I don't think so either. Even if they have, like, they can't wrap everything up in two more episodes, like, I feel. There's so much going on. And, like, if this truly goes in the vein of YA literature, like, we're gonna have so much angst between, like, the romantic pairings at the end of the season. Yeah, because, like... I mean, we'll get into it, but, like, I am foreseeing, you know, the second book is always when you really get into, like, the love triangles, which, do we love love triangles? Not really, but can they be good for drama? Absolutely, they can be good for drama. I feel very strongly about, like, the fact that I think this show is going to do love triangles properly. I agree with that. I do agree with that. Yeah, I just, I think we're going in a really good direction. I I like the direction that we're going. I think, (laughs) like, I think at the end of, we're going to get into this, but the end of episode six, I think introduces us a fourth ship. And see, like, I don't think that's what it is. I, I, I feel like it could be. I think that's our enemy is the lover's ship. 
Okay, but like no, our he's... our our friends to enemies to lovers or lovers to enemies to lovers. But do you think he's capable of that? Well, not at this moment. I would love to see that character development from him. I would. I think we've seen similar before in books. Like, I mean, it's true. He's just so he's just so dumb. I just don't know. I know. I, know. I don't know yet. We need to see more. Is is what is what we're saying? Um, okay, but before we get too far into willow because there's so much um so some recommendations alex would you like to talk about this um little known movie that you watched the other day no movie i saw puss in boots the last wish and it was incredible like i'm not shannon i'm like not joking like it was like amazing I, I like when Andy saw it and she said it was a sleigh. I was like, okay. And then you were like, oh my god, it's amazing. So I, I will be watching this movie. I will not be going to the theaters to watch it, but I will watch this movie. So like all the action sequences, they animated like Spider Verse. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So the the ti- they played with the timing a lot in the action sequences specifically. It was beautiful. The animation was beautiful. The story was really, really good. I feel like we got character development from Puss, which I don't think we've ever really seen that character develop in. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he's just, you know, he's charming. He, mm-hmm. you know, is kind of the Robin Hood kind of character. Right. Like, but he went through an existential crisis in this movie. Good for him. Um, And, and the villain was scary like this movie like i i couldn't believe it that this was you know like i guess a kids movie it is a kids movie but not for Mm. young kids young kids are gonna be traumatized by this movie (laughs) (laughs) i mean listen i'm into it like i do you need to see the first person movie no okay no you just have to know that like the other cat the black cat kitty her name Mm -hmm. is kitty soft paws She's in the other movie. Right. Yeah. I do remember now her being advertised. And she's a, kind of a love interest from the previous movie. So they have a romantic past. And that's pretty much, I think, all you have to know. And you've okay. seen the other Shrek movies, I'm sure, right? Yes. So there's, like, call-outs. <laughs> there, there are references and call-outs to Shrek movies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very, very interesting. Um, on the flip side of that, um, I will mention I did watch White Noise with Adam Driver. And I was really into it, and I don't know why. It's one of the weirdest movies that Adam has ever done. But he was in Annette. I I know, but, like, it it's weird, but, like, it's good. Like, Annette was weird, and it wasn't good. Like, it felt weird watching it. Okay. Like, this is, like, the most fun I've had watching Adam in so long. That's so weird. Considering just like all the promo we've seen for the movie, he just looks Well, and every time like I saw a promo, I would message Alex and be like, no, I have the ick. Like, I don't want to watch this. But like so many movies lately, like I've watched with Adam, I'm just like, I don't really enjoy this. But like this was, I, I don't no, know what true. I watched. And like, <laughs> I actually think that we're going to enjoy 65 in the worst way. I absolutely agree with that. I think it's going to be... A masterpiece, um, and not in a good way, but that's okay. <laughs> Does Adam make good movies? No, he makes weird movies. <laughs> so, um, but that's not my real recommendation. My real recommendation, just like Alex, um, I've been watching Bluey, okay? 
TikTok decided to slide me a couple Bluey episodes and I became obsessed. And now yeah. I just watch it on Disney Plus unironically. I mean, it's so good. It is good. And like we we have been known to love animation. So this isn't that out of no, left field. It, it's just so good. Like I was at work because um, I go back to my old job on breaks and I was telling them about it just because I knew that we'd all have a laugh. And <laughs> I went on lunch and every episode's like eight minutes. So I'm like, I'm going to watch one of the episodes. And I came back and they said, did you actually watch Bluey on your break? And I said, yeah. And they said, what happened? Because nobody I work with knows anything about Bluey. And I was just like, oh, well, it started with Bluey copying everything her dad did. But then they were on a walk and they came across this bird that was dying. So she stopped copying him and they took it to the vet. And then the bird died. Um, and then when she got back, she had to, like, reenact the whole thing. Because that's how she processes her emotions. And they were like, what? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's, that's the show. <laughs> it's just, it's so wholesome. And it... Makes me so happy. And Disney Disney Parks still hasn't gotten on, like, Bluey at the parks yet, which is which baffling. It's so baffling. I think, so, like, at Hollywood Studios, they have, like, Hollywood and Vine, which is usually a uh, character breakfast, like, Disney Junior p- characters. Mm-hmm. And, like, that would, like, slap if it was character breakfast with Bluey. Oh, like, 100%. Although I do think about the reason I was so intrigued by it was that I have this um, woman I work with um, when I'm teaching, and she has, like, two toddler boys, and they're, like, super into Paw Patrol and that kind of thing. I remember, like, mentioning Bluey to her once because I had, you know, heard of it, and I just wanted to know if she watched it with her kids. And she said no. Like, she can't stand it. And she's like, why? They act like regular children. Why would I want to see the annoying things that my kids do on the screen and now watching it and seeing like it's not just for kids it's also like for parents like that's pretty funny though that she doesn't want to watch it because they're annoying like real kids well and I could totally see like she is like not the same kind of parent that like Bandit and Chili are and I could see why she wouldn't like that because they encourage Bluey and Bingo to like use their imaginations and like they go along with their bits and things like that and like she definitely like wouldn't do that um so I could see why she wouldn't want her boys to watch it but it's just like it's interesting So as far as news goes, um, by the time this episode comes out, we will be getting Bad Batch tomorrow. Yeah, we're starting out with two episodes, I think. I believe so, yes. And we decided that we were probably going to cover about four at a time because there's going to be 16 in total, kind of doing a little bit broader of arcs, I think. I guess that kind of works out for us because we're going to be finishing up Willow first, before yes. we hop into that. Yes. And I don't know why, but I'm just, I'm not that hype for Bad Batch. Like, I'm excited. Like, I want to watch it, but I'm not, like... Mm-hmm. I think it's because season one was disappointing in a few ways, because I think yeah. that um, there, were, there were so many opportunities to really push, like, character development and, like, just, like, um, character, like, emotional arcs. And they didn't quite go there. They would, like, kind of, like, put their toe in. Yeah. And not quite go all the way. So I think I'm hoping that they they do go really deep with the characters this season. I agree. Like, there were some really good, like, standout episodes. But, like, as a whole, they were a little bit all over the place. 
So I, I, the main thing I'm hoping for for season two is that it just, there's more of like a through line for the plot. And I mean, like it's animation and especially like being like within like the Clone Wars kind of era, it's still fine for there to be like different arcs and like other things going on. And like, I'm not saying that I want it to be like a straightforward narrative, but like I want to feel that emotion with the characters and there were things that I wish would have happened or pieces I wish they had moved that just they didn't do a ton with. And then on top of that, so on Tuesday, which is when this comes out, so on the actual day that this comes out, um, the Battle for Jetta, the Higher Public audio drama will be out. And Alex was saying before um, she heard that there's going to be spoilers for both Convergence and Path of Deceit in Battle for Jetta, which makes sense because... Those books, like all of wave one, is pushing into this book. And I think this book is then going to push us into wave two. It's totally. like a little a little meeting point. I am excited just because we keep hearing so many things about Jetta. Um, I will say, so I finished Convergence. Did you finish Convergence? Yes, I did. Yeah. So it... None of neither one of us were like super. I like, think our expectations were high. I think our expectations were too high, like a hundred percent. Because I wasn't all that into it. Like it was good. It was. I would say that it is my second favorite of the higher public adult novels after Rising Storm. But it's not really. That doesn't really say much, though. Yeah, I think. Because we read uh, Zoraida's other book, which yes. other Star Wars book, which was um, Crash of Fate, and it was very fluffy and romantic. Yes. And even though both of us said that, oh, you know, this book is too fluffy for me, it was very romantic in a good way. And I think I expected more of that for this. I was just expecting it to be about, like... Well, for one, I was expecting it to be about, like, our Jedi on the cover, uh, mm-hmm. which is Gela, I believe yeah. was her name. Um, and then Axel Greylark, who is the son of the Chancellor. Like, I was like, those yeah. are going to be our two main characters. And right off the bat, we were introduced to two others instead, mm-hmm. which I love their dynamic. I love the ship. It was giving landscapes. Like, it really was. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so I wanted the book to be just about, like, the four of them. And it... There was just so much more politics with it, which, which is fine. It's Star Wars. Yeah. I think I just, I guess I just had like a preconceived idea what this book was going to be. Yeah. I think the real thing that did it for me has nothing to do with the way it was written or what it was about. I think it was listening to, like listening to it because it was the same narrator who does Thrawn. <laughs> and I kept thinking that I was reading a Thrawn book and it would just take me out of it immediately. <laughs> like, and that's on me. Like that's a me thing. But it was also a pretty long book. It was very long. I'm the most excited for Path of Vengeance. Like, so far, like, the YA is, like, really popping off with this phase. I'm kind of excited for the middle grade book because it's um, Tessa Grattan. I wasn't super thrilled with the George Mann one. So we'll see how it goes. Like, I, I like this. I like this phase so far. But I feel like I haven't quite settled into it yet. And that's exactly, I think, where we were at after phase one, wave one as well. Okay, so are we ready to talk about Willow? I think we are. Okay, so we have episodes four, five, and six, which are The Whispers of Nakmar, Wildwood, and Prisoners of Skellen. 
And I just remember when we left off with episode three, seeing Nakmar. When I when I saw it, I was like, that's Babmorda's castle, right? And then it was. It was Babmorda's castle. And it's haunted and it's weird and it's storming and raining like this episode. Oh, man. I loved it. Yeah, it's kind of like a creature feature in a lot of ways. And at the end, you know, at the end of episode three, we see Graydon, you know, get infected by that stuff. What is, yes. what is it? Like, I don't know. And like, we get into it more in episode six. It's like some kind of goo. And they just say that it's evil. Like, what is it? It's evil. So, like, I don't know. (laughs) So, like, this whole episode is pretty, like, the climax of it is, like, trying to save Graydon from being possessed by the goo. By being possessed by the goo. They do say that he's being possessed by something called a lich. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I guess that's just, like, some kind of demon inside of him. But what's really cool about this, so... They're trying to save Graydon, which already we were like, mm, Grey Laura, yes, I want to see it happen. I want to see her These heal him. three episodes are heavy on the Grey, Ro- <laughs> Grey Laura. Like, this ship is so good. <laughs> it's uh, so I, good. Like, I agree with that, but we have some other really good ships, too. There, yes. Um, <laughs> so within Bab Morda's castle, the thing about it being haunted, so, like, everybody's being haunted by something, um, Alora is being haunted by, like, visions of her mother, which was really cool. Like, they actually show bits from the movie, because she was born in this castle, and her mother was mor- murdered by Bav Morda. We see Jade being haunted by the fact that she had to kill Ballantyne, and then she's also being haunted by, um, the Bone Reaver that killed her parents. Uh, Kit is, like, hearing the crone and like seeing visions of Bav Morda. And then we get a big reveal with Willow as Graydon is being further and further possessed. I really want to get the whole Graydon spoiler out of the way, I think. Absolutely. Let's let's talk about it. Let's get into it. Yeah, so Graydon's, you know, he's he's possessed. They're trying to get this goo out of him magically in a magical way Alora is trying to do the spell with willow they are um you know Graydon's in a lot of pain he's moaning he's screaming all of that and eventually we come to think that he is saved but he was just fooling Alora, and he you know, lures Alora up into the into the tower, which Willow told everyone not to <laughs> go, go into, into the, the high tower. tower. <laughs> Don't go there. And it gave Sleeping Beauty. Yes. It like really gave like the spin the spinning like needle like Sleeping Beauty kind of like it was her destiny to go there. Hundred percent. Um, and so when she's up there, she finds out that you know, oh, Agrina's actually still possessed. Um, and he's going to perform the ritual that they were trying to perform on her when she was a baby. Yeah, banishing her soul. Yeah, Bavimorda's castle. And the big reveal when Alora finally saves Graydon is that Graydon killed his brother. Yes. Graydon, we find out later, I guess in episode five, that, you know, he didn't, he didn't mean to kill his brother, but he was possessed. Yes. Yeah. So he had told Alora that he was ill as a child. And when they're trying to treat him, they find all these scars on his chest, which 
that is such a good trope. Anyway, <laughs> you know, it's the who did this to you trope. Um, and he says, you know, like, we don't talk about it. It's shameful. And so he was apparently possessed in his past and it caused him to kill his brother. And he's still trying to make up for that. Like his father never forgave him. Like mm-hmm. his, he sees visions of his father and basically like the only thing he's good for now is marrying into the Tyrosleen family and like providing an heir because he killed, you know, the heir of Galadorn. Yeah. Not to mention that Alora sees this vision as she's healing Graydon. And what was really amazing is that Kit's actually the one who, like, helped her finally unlock her magic. Because, like, her and Kit have been really at odds. Um, And we see that come to a head in episode six. But in episode four and five, they're kind of slowly breaking that down. And Alora, like, throws out the recipe. She doesn't do it the way Willow's going to do it. And she saves him. Basically, it's not a kiss. But, like... Uh. It was. It kind of, it's. She even, but like, okay. In in episode five, doesn't she say? She does. Kiss? She, she does. Says, yeah. Well, she starts to say kiss, and then she doesn't. So like, basically, it was, and like, she like sucks the evil out of him, and <laughs> Graydon like follows her with heart eyes. When that I happens. know. Oh my gosh, <laughs> what a beautiful shot, though. So good. Oh my god, because you can see like it all just like going out. Out of, and then he's the just air. like he leans up towards her. Yes, like he really like, oh, and, and like you said, heart eyes. Like it's so heart eyes. Um, but like from that moment on, like she doesn't know what to do. And like part of it in episode five, she says like she, you know, she's a little like creeped out because like he he's a murderer. Like he tried to kill his brother. The reason that he was sent on this quest, what. Um, was mostly to, like, kill Borman, like, because of his father. But I think also the reason why she's, like, being so distant is because she doesn't want to talk about her feelings. No. Like, 100%. And it's funny because Allura is the type of person to tell everyone else that they need to use their feelings and their words, but she doesn't do it. (laughs) Because she does do that. She doesn't take her own advice. Honestly, like... It's so funny, and I just find it, like, really relatable because she doesn't want to deal with the fact that she probably is developing feelings for Graydon because her mission is to save Eric, who she is in love with and in her eyes married to. So Mm -hmm. I think she is adopting this mentality of, we're not going to think about that. That's over there. We're not doing that right now. Like, we're not. Nope. We are plowing straight ahead. And, of course, that comes back to bite her because by episode six, like, she's harboring, like, so much stuff. She's carrying so much stuff that it's it's literally causing a mountain to collapse. So we also, in episode four, learn a little bit more about, like, Kit's relationship with, like, Bath Morta and the crone. Like, we're seeing visions of, like, the immemorial city. But I don't think it's till episode five that we finally see the first glimpse of Eric waking up in that city. And then we see him a little bit later as well, kind of exploring it. But I'm really into this idea of Kit going on a dark side arc. Yes. I really do think it's going to happen. Like, very, like, Kylo. It's very Kylo. It's giving Anakin. And I mean, she's dressed like Anakin, Mm -hmm. right? Like, a big part of these three episodes isn't just, like, Graydon and Elora. Coming together, it's also Kit and Jade, which, 
Like, we know that they like each other, but they are still kind of fighting it. Which is yeah, really interesting. It's, it's funny to watch Kit say, like, my, like, just refer to Jade as her best friend. And we're it like... It really is. Kit, come on. <laughs> we're just friends. <laughs> we're, we're friends. They were roommates. <laughs> they were roommates. Oh, my God. Like, especially when Borman is like, uh, you guys totally have the hots for each other. And they immediately are like, no, we don't. What? I'm like, y'all literally kissed on screen. Like, we've already seen it happen. Yeah, the audience knows. We know. Everybody knows except for the two of you. So we really get into that, like, with episode five. I love the opening to episode five because they're on the run from more of the Gales. And it's this awesome song playing and it feels so D&D. But they escape into the Wildwood, which has this reputation for, like, people getting lost in it and, like, never wanting to leave. And they find themselves um, in a Bone Reaver camp. And we get some big revelations within this camp. So the Bone Reavers immediately capture them. And we also also see that Borman knows them. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. (laughs) Let us talk about ship number three. (laughs) So I would, you know, I would just call her the queen of the Bone Reavers. Um, her name is Scorpia, which is so cool. That's such yes. a kick-ass name. She's such a cool character. Like she's very, very cool. Like all of them know Borman. They're like, "You betrayed us. You left us. Whatever." Like we're learning more about his mm-hmm. past, how he came to be in the prison in the beginning, what happened between him and Madame Mardigan, and all of that. Um, I love when he. <laughs> So they capture them and like they separate them and she has Borman sent to her tent and tied up and he's like telling her what happened because like he was No, he's cap- into that. Like oh, 100% very into it. Um but he's telling her what happened cuz like he was captured by trolls and taken to Skellen and so was like Matt Mardigan and Allagash and like all of them. And he's telling this story and I love it because, like, what he's telling her is not what they're showing on screen. And it's just him, like, taking a shower in the, in the waterfall. And, like, flirting with women. Like, they were really, like, Oh, my you God. That what? scene is amazing, though. The waterfall scene. They were, like, let's make a fan cam for Borman. <laughs> just put it up here. Um, but he and Scorpia have a history. And one of the hottest things ever, they're dancing. And... Um. <laughs> She's like, I could make you my prisoner. And he I, says, I already am. I, I think that was the hottest moment in the show so far. Like, like I'm not, wow. I'm not, I, I was like on the floor. I am not exaggerating when I say that um, Borman is femme gaze. He's uh, so femme gaze. No, yes. that, that moment though. And like, I want to like prelude that moment with the way he's kind of skulking to her on the dance floor. Like he's oh like on a mission to get to her on the dance floor because they're not together and the, the slow music starts. And he's like kind of like trying to get over there. He's he's taking some like swigs of his drink. He drops his drink. He just throws his drink away because he's <laughs> like, okay, I have, you know, I have the courage now. And then they kind of just face each other and they're kind of just like swaying. And then, like you said, she um, she says that, you know, she can make him her prisoner. And he says, you, like, I already am. And then they just, like, kiss. It was so hot. It was, it was so, so hot. good. It was so good. Um, well, the way we get to this dance is that 
they Scorpio discovers that Jade is one of them. I'm going to go ahead and say it, though. A-plus casting, because Jade and Scorpio look so similar. Yeah. Um, that was awesome. So, like, they're sisters, and they are actually um, daughters of General Kale. Um, mm-hmm. He was the leader of the Bone Reavers. And Kale was actually killed by Mad Mardigan in the movie. Yeah. Um, but he, in Jade's memory, killed her parents, but really it was trying to get her back because she was taken and then raised in yeah. Tyrosine. And I thought that was really cool, like kind of giving Jade this found family. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I think that kind of helps her because she was reeling from the fact that she had to kill her, you know, father figure. Mm-hmm. I, I really le- like the way that everyone's connected and the way that like, so Kit's father killed Jade's parents. Like Yes. And then also, you know, Kit's grandmother killed Awara's mom. Like yes. their their you know, their blood is is bad. Like they, she has like you said, you know, like it makes sense that Kit is gonna go down this dark path. It's like Bath Morta is her Vader. It it is giving it is giving <laughs> Vader like a hundred percent because you're right like I hadn't even thought about that like they are so interconnected and it is kind of this like Star Wars type of feel like this big family drama like playing out in the next generation because Kit is also dealing with the fact that like Mad Mardigan is always choosing Laura over her. It's so connected and so tied up in the fact that all of these were major players when Bev Morta was, you know, on her evil rampage and trying to kill everyone. But with this revelation, the Bone Reavers decide to have a party. And listen, they do one of the best tropes ever. They all eat something called truth plums. They cannot tell a lie. What a good trope. Like... That is a trope that is up there. Like, I'm talking, like, when you're looking at, hmm, what kind of trope do I need so that I can, like, force big conversations? Yeah, it's, feelings. I, can, I have to tell How the truth. We... Um, there's only one bed. Pollen. <laughs> like, that kind of stuff. You know, it's, it's on that same shelf. <laughs> I just love that Willow has that shelf. And they're like, what should we take off the shelf this week? <laughs> literally it's just like looking at their big pile of tropes and they're like you know what we're gonna have them eat truth plums and just like tell all these truths because like willow literally is just like you know what (laughs) i'm a fraud like i didn't kill bad morta and he just says it so like offhand and he's like oh hi alora like Mm -hmm. because like i'd kind of forgotten about that like it and they say this in episode four like what killed Bad Morta was her own carelessness, and like mm-hmm. Willow did outsmart her, but it wasn't through his magic. So him being proclaimed to be this like all powerful sorcerer, like it is kind of all built on a lie. And I find it really interesting that knowing how he actually defeated Bad Morta, Willow is still so like rigid and strict with Elora, even though that's not how he won. Like it, it's really interesting that he just. Feels I think like she has he, to do it this way. Yeah, he assumes that she can't win that way, too. I guess so. But of course, with these truth plums, uh, we get we already talked about with um, Alora and Graydon. We also got to mention that Graydon shaves in this episode. That was a really funny scene. And you you heard right that it was because yeah. of another 
movie that he was in or a TV show. Yeah, so they decided to write in a scene where the Bone Reavers shaved him. It was amazing. It was, like, <laughs> it was really actually funny. so great. And and then after after he gets shaved, you know, he says to the Bone Reavers, he's like, hey, so, like, you think she'll like it? And they're like, what? They're like, if we had known that you were doing this for a woman, we would have told you not to do it. Yeah. They're like, but he, but he doesn't have a beard. Well, he doesn't have a girlfriend. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, we also get to see so a couple of other things in this episode so Alora steals the wand which mm-hmm. is awesome we finally see her use some magic of her she own. uses it on the soup i know <laughs> and then she like wipes it off too like i just willow's so mad about the how she wipes it <laughs> off it's just they really are giving like this really interesting like dad daughter relationship it's also very like old man luke and ray which oh, is really yeah. fun um, we get to see one of the brownies from the movie again. That was a really funny scene as well. But these truth plums. Here's the real reason they had to pull these truth plums off the shelf. It wasn't just for Borman and Scorpia. It wasn't just for Graydon and Alora. It wasn't just for Willow. It was for Kit. Because Kit is feeling some major feelings now that Jade has a family of her own. And maybe possibly leaving her. And not only do we see Borman give love advice to Graydon, but we also see Alora give love advice to Kit. And so what does Kit do? She goes and she confronts Jade. I, this was some good Chovy stuff. So um, Alora tells Kit to go apologize. She's like, it doesn't matter for what. Go apologize to her. Because at this point, Jade is like annoyed. Jade ends up on this truth plum telling Kit that she is totally, ridiculously, desperately in love with you. Man, whoever wrote that line... (laughs) Like, and wow. also not only wrote it, but the way that Aaron Kellyman delivered it was so good. Even before that, like Kit was saying, like, if you decide to come back here, like, I hope you'll let me come with you because, like, I can't imagine like living without you and like stuff like that. And it's just, oh man. And then they were about to have like their big monumental kiss after their love declaration, <laughs> and the trolls attack. Yeah, the trolls grab them. Yes. So a couple Bone Reavers are kidnapped, but what's really important is that Kit and Willow are kidnapped from the camp. So everybody else has to go to Skellen to rescue them. And Borman broke out of Skellen. So he was captured by the trolls with Mad Mardigan and his party and all of that. But notoriously, this is a very, very difficult place to break out of. So everybody's just like, oh, no, they're trapped on the mountain and blah, blah, blah. I thought the trolls were really funny. They were not at all Mm -hmm. what I was expecting them to be. Yeah, I was like, I was looking into the casting for them. And I noticed that it was some of the puppeteers from like Solo and like different Star Wars products. That's awesome, though. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they were really fun. I like the way that they did it. The trolls are working for Bav Morda. So they take Willow, they take Kit, but they are looking for Alora and they want to try to get that information mm-hmm. out of them. And it is revealed that there's something in the mountain that the crone helped them turn into this evil goo. <laughs> like, there's so much... There's so much hinging. There's so much writing on this evil, evil goo. Evil goo, yeah. <laughs> there's so much. Like, because there's some other things to talk about with this evil goo as well. But, like, that is, like, the notable thing is that there's this evil thing. 
And that's what corrupted Ballantyne. That's what corrupted Graydon. So lots of questions about this evil goo. Um, but while Kit and Willow are locked up, they are locked up with another prisoner who says he is Mad Mardigan. And I love that immediately everybody, including the audience, was like, no, you're not. Who are you fooling? And no, you are not <laughs> Mad Mardigan. <laughs> well, it's funny because he doesn't realize that he is literally beside Mad Mardigan's daughter. <laughs> I know. And then he tries to save it. And he's like, I- I've missed you so much, kid. And she's like, stop. <laughs> Like, but it is Alagesh who was Mad Mardigan's friend and apparently part of the party who was searching for the cuirass. So we finally get some more pieces here. And it seems like, so 10 years ago, Mad Mardigan was sent by Shorsha to go and find this legendary armor um, that would help them in their fight against evil. And that's when he went missing. And we knew that there was a betrayal in the party from Borman. And Alagash says that Borman betrayed them. But Borman says that Alagash betrayed, betrayed them. them. So it's like, who do we trust? That kind of thing. There, I don't know. We do know that what ends up happening is that Borman steals the Lux and hides the Lux on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, which he had previously lied to Kit about having. But they know that he has now. So I don't know, because clearly he's the only one that escaped Skellen because, you know, he was, Halagash was still there. And we do find out, like, this was the last place that Mad Mardigan was seen. And that's where he promises to take Kit once they, you know, break out, which they do manage to break out because the trolls are not very smart. Yeah. <laughs> I also think it's kind of interesting. There's still so much we don't know about Borman. And I was about to say that, like, I do think Alagash was the one who betrayed them, except for the fact that Borman when they enter this mountain, does not take them to free Kit and Willow. He takes them straight to where he thinks the cuirass is. Yeah. Um, I think that, like, after seeing um, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, I think Borman is kind of a Puss in Boots character. I would agree where with Where he, you know, he's out for his own, but he is going on a development of being kind and caring about others. I think so, too. Like, I I think regardless of if he's lying, you know, if he did betray, I think he, by the end of it, like, he's kind of our Han Solo character since, like, we don't have that art again. Um, Like, he's somebody who was very selfish and I think who is learning to, like, help other people, like, for the sake of helping other people. Um, But, I mean... Kit didn't really need his help anyway because <laughs> they they still get out and they all meet up down in the catacombs. Um, what I, I didn't write down the name of the tomb that they are, but it's like Wiggleworm oh, or something. Yeah, it's like wig, yeah, Wiggleheim. Wiggleheim. It's <laughs> Wiggleheim's tomb. Um, before that, though, Alora has, ever since she enters this mountain, like, been very anxious. Yeah. And... It's just made worse because, like, Graydon is trying to, like, talk to her about feelings. She doesn't want to talk about feelings. She just wants to find Eric. She's focused on that. She keeps hearing Kit's voice, like, accusing her of, like, you know, like, basically, like, you're the reason that my dad left and, like, things like that. And she's physically causing the mountain to crumble. Mm-hmm. She is holding too much in. Yes. Alora, you need to talk about your feelings. 
Yes. Um, even though he is canceled, uh, John Mulaney did say it correct the best. Um, I'm going to take all of my emotions uh, and I'm going to put them right here and then I'll die. <laughs> like that's... Speaking of John Mulaney, he is in the Puss in Boots, the Last Wish movie. <laughs> Full circle. Yeah. <laughs> I like, man, wow. Um, I think the big thing with Alora is that she, it's almost like she's having this premonition, which I think is kind of the point because Willow said that she had to master the four pillars of magic. Um, and it sounds like she's already mastered a couple of them. So I think this was her like having a premonition of this conversation she was going to end up having with Kit. Um, but when they're in Wiggleheim's tomb and they have to like solve some riddles, it finally opens and Kit finds Mad Mardigan's sword and then hears Mad Mardigan's voice. And she finds out that he, th- there's like a portal there mm-hmm. and that you can't enter the portal with anything. Like you're entering on your own. So that's why the sword was left behind. I also think it's really cool that um, Mad Mardigan's voice was Val Kilmer's son. Yeah. Which is also the actress who plays Sorsha's son because yeah. they have kids together. So, so it's, I, it's literally so connected. It's a willow child. It's a willow child. It really is. Well, and I, I think that it's not just that you couldn't take anything there because the, the last riddle was what does a beggar have that like a wise man wants? And it was nothing. And I think it's because it's something about like in death, like you can bring nothing with you. So I think the thought there is that that portal basically is somewhere you cannot come back from. Like it, it, you are like traveling into like the realm of the dead or like beyond the veil or something like that. I don't think that that necessarily means that Mad Mardigan is dead, but I do think that if Kit had gone through, Kit probably would have died. And that's where yeah. everybody else is thinking as well. I I totally, you know, kind of see the, the parallels between that scene and the scene where Ezra is like faced with saving his parents <sighs> or saving Kanan in the world between worlds. Yeah. It's, it was, like, very reminiscent of that. Oh, my God. No, I feel that. And, like, she Kit is feeling so much because I feel like ever since she started this quest, like, she has been very frustrated. Like, she's frustrated with her situation already. But then, you know, seeing that like, Eric gets taken and then, you know, like, this random kitchen girl is, like, following them around. Like, she's annoyed. But then that girl turns out to be Alora Dannon. And Alora Dannon is the girl that, like, she's basically grown up in her shadow. Like, Alora was never there, but, like, she grew up knowing that, like, Alora was, like, the one true empress. Like, her parents, like, were protecting her. And she knows that, like, Mad Mardigan, like, went missing because of Alora, like, trying to figure out things, like, to help and save Alora. So, like, she's been very frustrated. And I think in this moment, like, it's kind of the final straw. Like, she does allow Alora to, like, bring her back, like, from the brink, basically. But it's just, again, like, you know, she's keeping me from my father. And then Alagash tells her, like, I think the reason Mad Mardigan didn't kill me, like, he let me live, like, after all the betrayals, was because one of you would find me and I would be able to tell you that, like, he's 
trying to protect like the most important thing or like he knew he could leave because you would be able to protect the most important things. And when she asks, he says that the most important thing is Alora, And that is just not what Kit wants to hear. No, not at all. I, I just, I really feel for Kit. Like she is really going through it. And like, she just, she needs her dad. Like she wants her dad. She wants him to, you know, be there and choose her. And instead of him or her brother, like she just has the girl that is the reason for all of this happening. And it's not only like her parents choosing Alora, but also her brother is basically, like you said, married to her. Like, yes, in a weird way. And so like, who's on team kit? Well, and because I would even say too that we do know that Jade loves her and like Jade, you know, confessed her love to her. But she has said that she is loyal to the realm. Like, she is loyal. That hurts their duty. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, who's on Team Kit? Like, it's like there's nobody in her corner. So I think it'd be very easy for a little voice to come in. Like, our good boy, Ben Solo. That kind of thing. But the the last bit for these characters um, in Episode 6, they're trying to escape... And they fall, like, way down to, like, the bottom of the mountain, basically. And they're on a lake of goo. <laughs> like evil the goo. E- like, that, right, though? Like, that's the evil goo beneath them, right? I think so. That's where they harvest it. Yeah, like, that's where they harvest the goo. And, like, it's so weird because solid on top... And, like, rocks will fall through it and break it. And then, like, it immediately forms back up. Well, it's, like, creme brulee kind of. It kind of is. I agree with that. The goo, it's evil, evil creme brulee is what's going on right here. Kit decides that this is the moment to, like, have it out with Elora. This was a really intense moment. And I think it was really meaningful for their characters because Kit feels like nobody's in her corner and that Elora is basically the cause of all of her problems. And, like... Alora agrees with her, basically, because she feels like there's so much pressure on her. There's so much weight on her shoulders. And, like, she's holding all this stuff in because she's trying to keep it together. And she literally can't. Um, She cannot control her powers. And she's finding it very hard to believe in her. And while they're arguing, Kit falls down into the evil goo. And it closes back up over her. Yeah. I, and we don't see her come back out. No. Um, so then, um, because we know that Elora actually lost the wand, it kind of falls into the pit. But then we see that it's it's on their <laughs> level because now they're on the bottom level. So she is very lucky. She it was grabs to be in the pit. <laughs> yeah, she <laughs> grabs the wand and she saves Kit. Well, we don't know. True. We don't know yet. I mean, she is going to save Kit. Kit's not going to die. No, Kit's not going to die. But, like, we see her, you know, blasting a spell at this um, rock. Mm -hmm. And she does seem pretty sure of herself. Because I think that she's starting to kind of, like... It's, it's so weird because I think she still is feeling very unsure, but, like, she's starting to see that, like, she's the only one who can control this, right? Like, so she has to try. And I kind of feel like that vision that Willow saw where, like, everybody was dead, like, Alora was dead and, like, everybody was dead. 
I kind of think that Alora is going to start to think that the only way forward is for her to sacrifice her life. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't know why, but just like her trying to save Kit, like just her calm kind of made me think that. Um, but we don't see her break through. Yeah. And the last thing we see is like Kit like sinking like farther down. Um, so that was a nice cliffhanger for us. Wonderful. But that's not the end of the episode. Because our boy Eric is in the immemorial city and he's just wandering around because there's nobody there. It's literally just him. And he drinks out of like a fountain. And it looks like the goo, doesn't it? Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know. I feel like, I don't want to say that they are now corrupted because of the goo, but I I do want to say that there's something going on because... Mm -hmm. There's something about their bloodline and the blood of the six and the order of the worm and the crone and like all this. Like there's something bigger going on. But I really love the idea of Eric. Like he's being held prisoner, but they literally just dropped him into this city where there's no one around. And like he tries to walk away from the city and he ends up right back where he started. Yeah. Like there's no way out. And the whole place is covered in ash. Like it's crumbling ruins. He thinks he's completely alone, but then he hears a voice and there's a girl in one of the cells and that's where it ends. Yeah. Well, doesn't, doesn't he say, Oh, are you real? And she's like, are you real? Like, yeah. And well, she asks if he's the reason she's there. And he's like, I don't. I think whoever brought me here brought you here. Although I think both of us think that she is the crone. I do think she is the crone. Mm. I do think she is the crone. Now, I think (laughs) that there is potential for a ship here, regardless if she's the crone or not. And specifically, if she is the crone. I would agree with you on that. I I do. Because uh, this does bring about an interesting thing. Because when you talk about the crone, there is the opportunity to do, like, the triple goddess. So, like, oh, yeah. she could be, like, in her maiden form or, like, something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's where they're going, but that would be really cool. That would bring up a very interesting love square. I would like to see it. I'm also wondering if... They're trying to pull, like, a black swan to, like, you know, break Alora's spirit. Like, they're going to take Eric from her. I just, I really want to see what's going to happen with all of these characters in regards to, like, the shipping aspect of it. But not, like, on a shallow level of just, like, oh, I want to see who ends up with who. Like, because Alora's come so far. Like, she's not that same girl who was just, like, completely head over heels with the prince, right? Yeah. And I want to see Eric also grow beyond like that selfish prince right Mm -hmm. so i i'm interested to see like if this is possibly a pairing like how is that gonna evolve his character i think that'd be really interesting so where do you think we're headed well i think we're gonna see a war save kit at the beginning of the next episode and then who knows (laughs) i'm like surprised every week by what happens Mm -hmm. we did get a trailer for like the last couple of episodes Mm -hmm. and We are going to see them on a boat, which makes sense, because they have to go beyond the Shattered Sea. Um, I guess the question is, are they going to rescue Eric by the end? Because there's so many questions, like, you know, if there's going to be more, is there not going to be more? Like, I really do think there's going to be more. If they rescue Eric, like, it's going to clearly not be the end. 
I, I mean, we only have two episodes left, and next week, I mean, this week, this week's episode is going to be, like, that penultimate, like, episode. Yeah. Where it sets up the finale. And usually, like, the second to last episode can be very crazy. Yes. I just, like, <laughs> don't know how much ground they can really cover in two, in two episodes. episodes. I agree. Kind of wonder if, because, like, I can't foresee, I, like, I, I don't see them facing off with the crone. Although we do see in the trailer, like, Alora fighting, like, with magic. But there's still so far, like, she needs to go, I feel, with, like, you know, coming into her power. And there's so far that these characters need to go emotionally. I kind of feel like when they get to the city, things are not going to go the way they want them to go. I think it's going to be unexpected. Yeah. I just hope that they're, you know prepared for a season two like they have been you know given yes. the thumbs up for that because my fear is that they're gonna give us this great season that doesn't really have any an end. like it, it, yes. no, it doesn't you know tie up loose ends it no closure because we've seen that happen so many times and i mean the main time that that happens is like with netflix so we haven't really seen yeah. that happen with a Disney Plus show, but well, just the fact that there's been no talk of yeah, we th- that's the the pro is that we haven't seen it with a Disney Plus show. Although Disney Plus is not making Disney any money, like in compared to other like sections of the company, and where you know where does that put Iger with the new like everyone the new people in charge like you've replaced a lot of. Chapex people with his people where does that leave Disney plus and things I don't know it's it's hard because it's like I want this season to come to like a, a happy resolution in case there's not a second season but I also want them to like take their time and like really pace it out yeah so I guess we we won't know until we see it I feel like I trust more with this but i'm also like cautious yeah because creatively it's there we just don't know like the behind the scenes stuff if mm-hmm. it's there i heard this week that um the disney parks are more than making up for the money they're losing in disney plus though i mean that's good i, I feel like that's kind of the point of disney having a hand in so many things is that they should be able to be creative in some areas because they're going to make up for it in other areas, right? Yeah, you would think. You would think. Although, this is capitalism. (laughs) Yes, we are in capitalist society, you know. But yeah, I'm I'm loving this show. I downloaded a pattern to make Alora's traveling cloak, which I'm very excited to try. I haven't tried it yet. It's really cool looking. Yeah, I think it would be really, really cool. So I'm going to be sad when this show is over. I'm sorry, but I don't think Bad Batch can fill a willow hole. <laughs> it, feel, it, it, feels, it feels a different kind of void, right? Like, Willow did such a good job, like, filling the Andor hole, right? So yeah. it's like, what's going to take Willow's place? Like, I, I guess the thought is that it's going to be Mando, but, like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> we're we are feeling very apprehensive going into 2023 but there are so many things 
coming out. So that is very exciting. And our next episode will be covering episodes seven and eight of Willow. So hopefully it is everything that we hope. Um, hopefully we get confirmation that season two is greenlit. But so far, like, the ships are so good. The feelings are so good. Like, the heroine's journey that's happening, it's just they're doing so many things right. So I hope they can keep going with that. I agree. Is there anything else about these three episodes? Nope. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of Lipstick and Lightsabers. If you would like to keep the conversation going, you can find us pretty much always on Twitter or Instagram at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon and Alex is at Alex Leonis. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.